Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the podcast. This free teaser of the main episode features 10 posts, but you can get the full episode with an additional 20 posts, plus our witty banter and all that good stuff, plus fun segments like MGTOW and This Ain't It Chief, plus a preview of next week's episode, only over at patreon.com slash report this post. Not only that, but there's an additional bonus episode every week for our beautiful patrons and other fun stuff, all available at patreon.com slash report this post. Help support the show. It'll do a lot for us. It'll make us feel better about spending all of our goddamn free time looking up posts for your guys' uh, amusement. And enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 142 of Report This Post, the podcast about bad posts and bad people. My name is Geiger, and that is Christian. What a long, strange trip it's been. And we are your hosts with the posts every week, Christian, myself, or a listener select a different topic and then find horrible posts for your listening pleasure. And this week's topic, as chosen by a listener named Adam for Sarah... Is jam bands? You got, you got to be amazed for starters that a listener who chose the topic of jam bands has a girlfriend. <laughs> that that in and of itself is actually pretty fucking remarkable. And uh, that person you hear over there is uh, is uh, old old friend of the show uh, who joined old, us. Old being the operative word. Mm-hmm. Who who friend being the least operative word. <laughs> who joined us uh, for the Twitter episode we did many years ago. Uh, and uh, he's here. Uh, his name's Maddie. Hello, Maddie. Hello, everybody. Now, the reason why Maddie is on the show, if you can ex- uh, explain to the viewers uh, what the room you're recording in looks like. Well, I believe I described it as uh, if you gave a 17-year-old jam band fan $25,000, Yes, <laughs> this is what his room would look like. So uh, right in front of me, I have some limited edition Jerry Garcia art mm-hmm. that was printed on blotter paper. That's a big new, that's a big new thing in the jam band art community, by that's the way. Very good. Is uh, art printed on blotter paper. Sure. Why not? Got a uh, huge Grateful Dead mouse pad. Actually, multiple Grateful Dead mouse pads. <laughs> How many do you need? I have so many. I have, oh my God. We've got, let's see, one, two, three. <laughs> Seven uh, various limited edition Grateful Dead foil prints. Uh-huh. A Bob Weir limited edition tumbler that I got as part of a $400 VIP package Jesus. for a single <laughs> ticket. <laughs> Nothing but single tickets at that at that show. That's for damn sure, brother. I even have a uh, custom-made Jerry Garcia light switch cover. <laughs> Good God! And what? Yeah. How? 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 
Ugh, where do you even buy a light switch cover? Just a regular let me, one. Let me tell you a something. Custom if, one. if you have no shame and an extremely high income, there's almost nothing <laughs> that is beyond your grasp. Just and that is the position I find myself in these days. Like, just sitting in this room, just like looking at every square inch, like what's what's left? <laughs> what could I possibly replace with? Yeah, what Robin, grateful oh, Robin, memorabilia. Rob, Probably the 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 thing that the uh, the average person would be the most disheartened by is there is uh, last year was the fiftieth anniversary of a Grateful Dead album called Working Man's Dead. Sure, you know nothing exemplifies working like jam bands, uh-huh. and uh, they offered a limited edition Hultzbruck hatchet that is a. Uh, imp- Broidened or whatever you you know burnt into the handle various Grateful Dead artwork and symbols. So I paid one hundred seventy five dollars <laughs> for a Grateful Dead hatchet to celebrate work. That hatchet will never see mm-hmm. one day of work in its life. It will never come out of its sheath, but it is mm-hmm. hanging on the wall with me. Wonderful. I would at least find out what the process is. Uh, they they used to burn into the handle before I paid one hundred and seventy five dollars for it. At the very at, give it at least that. You got to figure it's a roach. I, <laughs> I think that that's probably the safest bet. Mm-hmm. Well, great. So Maddie is more than qualified. Probably uh, probably way too qualified, and probably uh, we probably saw some of your posts on various forums while researching. <laughs> Without knowing you for this for this uh, episode. Uh, but before we uh, get on to the post, we're going to uh, listen to Adam, who picked this topic. Uh, he called in to read us a post uh, himself, uh, which is uh, a nice a nice thing because it uh, kills time. It really, it really is a testament to the fact that the two of you will do anything for money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, report this post. I'm Adam, and I want to thank Geiger and Christian for doing this show. More importantly, I want to dedicate this topic request to my beautiful wife, Sarah, a dedicated fan with a PH. I'll read a classic copy pasta from Fantasy Tour. At Echo Project, I watched a Wookat giving birth during the Jizza set. I was just peeking on some 2CI. People were trying to get medical help, but they hadn't arrived. Some other Wookat claimed to be a midwife and was coaching the woman through this. Her Wook man is standing there shirtless and spun like a top. He looked really anxious about the whole thing. The baby's head starts to crown, and the medics still haven't arrived. It was so fucking dusty out there, and the baby and all the surrounding fluids were immediately muddified by the blowing dirt. All of a sudden, this fucking kid, probably 19 or 20, in his oversized neon flat-brim LRG hat, runs up yelling, Welcome to the party, bitch, before he blows a huge plume of smoke right in the baby's face. The smell was unmistakable, and this baby had just been deemstered. The surrounding crowd dropped their jaws and someone tackled the kid as he starts to run away. The mom is clutching the dirty baby and trying to calm it. Though strangely, the baby was not crying. Tripping balls, I guess? And while the dude is getting screamed at, the dad suddenly jumps on the dude and starts smashing said Bisco kid's face with crushed up beer can. The Bisco kid is kicking and trying to roll out of it, and the Wook dad grabs the kid's hair with one hand, shoves his other hand halfway inside the guy's mouth. He is pulling his mouth open and rips his cheek open. There's blood everywhere, and the dude lets out this Braveheart-like scream as he gets pulled off by the other folks around him. The cops, medics, arrived about that time and took over the situation. Shit was crazy as hell. Thanks, guys, and I love you, Sarah. Enjoy. 
Thank you, Adam. Uh, Thank what you, Adam. Adam. Pretty ridiculous story. So uh, uh, fish fans, I'm guessing, is what we got here, what we're dealing with here. Uh, got Someone gave birth at the show. Uh, there was a lot of things said in that that I didn't understand, but that's... <laughs> And there was also a lot of things in almost every other post. That, yeah, in this it's episode, that recurring I theme throughout these posts do is I don't know, know what any of this. <laughs> there is a sort of I, I suppose just like any other community, there is a like sort of a, a strange set of of slang and kind of weird language idioms that are unique to jam bands that sure. are that you will see probably recurring throughout the posts. Yeah, well, why don't, why don't we just go ahead and get started with that? With that, then we can uh, talk about talk about all that bullshit. Christian, you want to lead us off, please? Sure thing. So, my first post I found here comes from our Grateful Dead user Mondata asked, "Tell us about how the dead changed your life." I heard "Touch of Gray" for the first time when I was seventeen or eighteen. I had been struggling with an autoimmune disorder for some years and had a lot of pent up anger at the universe for it. This song changed me from the first time I heard it. My anger melted away and was replaced with the mantra, I will get by. A beautiful message of perseverance and coping with the chaos of existing. Mm-hmm. Life goes on, after all, aging and obstacles aside. That's a nice little post there, yeah. And then user Just Dwan replied, In 1977, I encoded messages in their music to be received by my future self. The messages are still <laughs> coming through. It seems like just a moment ago. Hmm. No comments or responses on this one, but I checked out this guy's profile, and he seems to exclusively post on Our Grateful Dead and relationship subreddits that focused on matching Myers-Briggs types. Mm, so. <laughs> you know, it's funny, because these two posts actually are like so emblematic of the, the sort of people that you would see at jam bands or Grateful Dead concerts. So, like, the first one, the kid who we heard, Touch of Grey, like, this is the sort of, like, just absolutely fucking mind-blowing simplicity of thought that somebody has the first time they're 17 and smokes a joint. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. oh my god, dude, we will get by. <laughs> like, oh yeah, genius, you just fucking figured that out. I'm so proud of you. The, the Grateful Dead has truly changed your life. And then the rest of them are like these really fucking old guys who are seriously mentally ill <laughs> and probably have like a variety of warrants against them. And just say shit that makes no fucking sense about encoded messages. Yeah. yeah, so basically we have like a fucking a pot abusing hippie simpleton and a <laughs> mentally ill uh, meth addict in his late 40s. Yes, so. a dangerous person. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. S- speaking of mentally ill guys in their late 40s, Matty, you're a big fan of uh, our audiophile. I know because of how much you love your... Audio fidelity and stuff like that. Don't you audio, have a, audio fidelity is a big part of my life. You have a, a pretty expensive rig there in that room. It's true. It is true. Uh, so, yeah, I had to check out our audio file to see what they're saying about this. Uh, any other members of the sub huge deadheads? I currently listen to the Grateful Dead more than anything else. I was wondering if anybody has certain settings or speakers, amps, room treatments they use to cater to their live sound. Peace. Techwa responded i'm 44 never saw jerry i did eat a burrito from a west coast dead show and a lot at my first fish show at red rocks in 1993 so i think i'm qualified to answer i listened to the boys on my morant's two 
2285B and a pair of Klipsch Forte 2 77 Cornell was a bit hissy cassette tape that stayed in one deck of my dual tape deck high-end Panasonic boombox that I took everywhere for years in the mid-90s. But now I own a CD and vinyl release and cannot decide which I like best. Both have their pluses. I have a Pioneer PL55X TT with Ortofon 2M blue and red for when I want different highs. <laughs> My CD player is a Goodwill Find Sony SACD player piped into a Cambridge Audio DAC Magic 100. I rarely go more than a few feet from my rig when I'm home. I do not own a TV, and my rig sits where most people have a home theater. I'm thinking about getting a TV again someday for one I want to watch a concert instead. Will not hook it up to Netflix for any incoming info other than a DVD player, because that's gross. <laughs> well, I will I will tell you this. Apparently there is some audiophile in me, because when he said it was piped into a Cambridge Audio DAC Magic 100. Mm-hmm. I immediately knew that that's a piece of shit $199 DAC. And I was like, this guy's a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a loser for knowing these things. This guy is a loser, is it a loser for, for having for a fucking it. Cambridge yeah. Audio DAC Magic 100. The fucking asshole. <laughs> but, oh, hey, geez. you know what? The guy knows what he likes and has instructed his his entire lifestyle around it. And God bless him. He comes home from work at the uh, plastics factory, yeah. uh, sits down in his living room with a bare light bulb lamp, and uh, just yes. puts on the dead and hangs out. So, hey, you know what? Yeah. Good for him. He has a Sony CD player piped through his uh, unemployment 2000 <laughs> speakers. <laughs> and honestly, I just, vinyl or CD, I can't decide which is better. Yeah. That's a it's funny, an upgrade that's a, from the scratchy the scratchy tape deck that he's been carrying oh around. Oh my god! The, the people who fucking love vinyl, I'm sure you guys have done a thing. That's a whole other fucking. You know what? We haven't yet. I have. People. Well, maybe you yeah. can uh, soak some poor rube into paying for that topic while the two of you sit on your asses and do nothing. But uh, <laughs> it won't be me. <laughs> Yeah, you although have the Ortofon two millimeter, the Ortofon two millimeter blue is really is just oh yeah, fucking, it's exceptional. No, what is that? I don't know. Okay, I, 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 <laughs> I think it's the needle, like or the cartridge or the needle, sure. or whatever they call it for the um for the record player. Okay, we'll uh, we'll get Tech Wob on the on the show sometime. Did a boombox become high end? What? The phrase high-end Panasonic boombox wouldn't... Uh, 1992, I would think, would be the cutoff for that, so... I was already, like, 40 by then. (laughs) (laughs) Over it. Yeah, the the technology had already passed me by at that point. He said he took it everywhere with him in the mid-90s, and uh, you can imagine how how much folks love to to hear... To rehab and to... (laughs) To rock over by the grassy knoll. I'm sure he took it everywhere. Real nice guy. <laughs> well, here's another nice guy that I found. This is user Hybrid Moments 4 who posted in our guitar. I'd love to learn how to play like Jerry Garcia. He's the guy that inspired me to take up guitar, and I've been playing for a little over a year now. I would truly love to get his playing style into my fingers, and I've looked on the internet. Can't find very many good sources on teaching his solo technique. Any help would be appreciated. And a now-deleted user replied... Cut off the middle finger of your strumming hand, grow a beard, and smoke opium every day, all day, while listening to bluegrass. Mm-hmm. 
I was actually the a, most upvoted comment on that thread. That's unfair because he also did a lot of heroin. <laughs> so honestly, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to pigeonhole his technique like that, I mean, yeah. you can, but it's just it makes you sound ignorant. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, if you want the full experience, uh, also uh, go ahead and die while you're at it. <laughs> Um, so he, was he a good guitarist? I've heard people he, say he was. was for, from a technical good. standpoint, he he was considered one of the the better guitarists out there. And I mean, a lot of the the jam band folk today, obviously, like listed him as a hero. But he was extremely well regarded in the uh, in the guitar playing community. And I mean, he had amazing technique. I mean, a really really unique sound. So. I mean, he, he was definitely, like, an important and influential guitar player, even if you weren't into that type of music. True. But, I mean, towards <clears throat> towards the end years, he was just such a a drug-induced mess. Like, I remember I, I saw my first Grateful Dead show in 1992, and I was a teen, and I was high as fuck. And, like, I mean, I, I had, like, romanticized the experience. I was, like, so excited to fucking go. And, like... I remember, like, I was like, this is not good. (laughs) There were, like, a lot of parts you could tell he was, like, nodding off, and the band didn't sound like they were listening to each other. And I realized later I could get into a whole thing just about the Grateful Dead. As the the years degenerated and the band got closer to its end, they just, all of them started, like, removing other band members from their mix. So, like, they had two drummers, but, like... (laughs) A number of the guys in the band removed one of the drummers completely from his mix. One of them didn't have the keyboard player in there. So, like, they were all just kind of fucking doing whatever. It was They're really just, just a jamming. money-making. Oh, yeah. It was jamming mm-hmm. people for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what. That's the true essence of a jam band, mm-hmm. is that you yeah. are jamming your clueless fans for every fucking penny far after you give a shit about playing the music. <laughs> But yeah. that's probably true of most musicians. Uh, yeah, I would say so. And all artists, they're all crooks. <laughs> Great thing about yeah. Jerry Garcia is a big fat guy playing guitar is always a fun look. Always well, a big uh, fan let's, of that. Let's, let's uh, take it easy on the big fat guys, <laughs> all right? You son of a bitch. User Nesta posted this on fish.net. Sorry to be negative, but this needs said. People who purchase posters only to resell them for profit, you're scum. Trying to profit off artists' work and originality, you should be ostracized and put on an island where all you and the people who save rows of general admission seats, quote, for friends partying in the lot, can rape each other's wallets for simple daily human needs each and every day of your pathetic existence. That actually I, sounds kind of good. I it's call on you to contact the sellers on eBay and the like and tell them that they are scum. Do not let <laughs> these people try to steal and profit off our boys and their friends' work and commandment to the commu- <laughs> commandment to the community by trying to produce art for us, and it keeps getting ripped off and resold by these losers. Stand up for what you believe in. Do not sit there and watch. Become active and make your voice heard. User Laudanum responded, Seems like you're taking your anger out on the demand when you should be berating the supply. You can count on Laudanum to be the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to hear from Laudanum later. Here's the, the show, thing, though. Actually. So, like, if you want to assume that, like, like, music or maybe particularly jam band music is sort of inherently tied to, like, social change and things like that, like, is is that is this the cause mm-hmm. now? Like people, yeah. people at Woodstock '69 were like, 
fuck those people who resell posters for profit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I guess, it, so it goes back to what you're saying, Maddie, about kind of the, the money machine aspect of it. But the thing is that some people's only way of getting their hands on this stuff is going to be like on the secondhand market. Oh, absolutely. Like they're like, there's an artist that I like and like when he releases a print, you know, he's got like fucking, let's say a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and he's like, yeah, I'm having a big release. There's going to be 150 <laughs> of this print released, signed and numbered. Well, that's and, like, why uh, old and, 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 is telling yeah. the truth here. And it's not expensive enough to like preclude like a lot of people. I just bought one of these things recently. It was hundred seventy-five dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've already seen them on eBay for like seven hundred fifty. Wow. So yeah, like I, I don't like reselling, but it also does open up like access to people who wouldn't normally get it, I guess, otherwise, or maybe who missed it or didn't have money at the time or whatever. I just think it's really funny, and this is like something that you, you, you probably have identified through a lot of the posts is like. The jam band community, like a lot of sort of small or somewhat insular communities, has like like a real sort of like lack of self-awareness on stuff. Mm-hmm. And you will see people go on like these incredibly pious rants about shit like reselling posters. Like it's a, it's, it's a very weird thing. Like the people in the scene, like I guess like they feel like they're like super entitled to everything. Like mm-hmm. I'm the real fan, man. I should get the poster. Like, and and I should get the tickets. I can't believe I didn't get fucking tickets. Probably some rich asshole got the tickets, which is true. It was. Yes, it was. I did get the tickets. (laughs) And they're better than your tickets. You have all the posters. The mouse pads are all signed. I have all the posters, all the tickets. Some of them, I just, I smoke them. (laughs) I don't even fucking use them. I will urinate on them. I don't give a fuck. And then frame them afterwards, of course, you know. Well, yeah, so you can display them. Yep. So that's my own sort of Jackson Pollock moment <laughs> to get to get scatological with various jam band posters. But uh, yeah, it's uh, ugh, fuck, you know, I'm getting upset. Boys, getting me wound up. Good. So I have to take my Xanax. <laughs> I think Christian's next post. Yeah. Get a lot of people's blood boiling. This is a good one. This was also from Fish.net, where user Frizz started the thread titled, Black Lives Matter is a Terrorism Organization According to Pasadena Police, and added the comment, 100% fuck the police. So, in support of Black Lives Matter there, Fluffhead19 replied, 100% fuck these Black Lives Matter people. Everyone fucking matters. There aren't just a handful of races on the planet. There's literally over 7 billion different races. That's so so many races. Each of us a a lighter or darker shade of the person to the left or right of us. Mm. There is no race except the human race. And Junes added, I'm sick of the whole race thing. If you're white, black, olive, red, yellow, you're a person. If you rob, rape, threaten, cause destruction... You're a criminal. Mm. Be a socially responsible person and you will earn respect. I know it's tougher for inner city poverty stricken people, but there has to be a point where you either go against the grain or raise yourself out of a bad position. Mm-hmm. Every ethnic group that has been part of the U.S. history suffered some type of racism and hatred and oppression. They all seem to pull themselves out of the pit and become successful. Blacks want to hold on to slavery and oppression like it happened yesterday. Not all colored do, but a good portion. I refuse to call them African-Americans. They are not all from Africa, and neither are they Americans or not Americans. <laughs> what? 
You know what? This, this I, I'm moved by this post, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I would like to, if, if you boys will indulge me, I'd like to speak specifically to inner city poverty stricken people right now. <laughs> sure. yeah. That's most to, of our yeah. listeners, yeah. This, this is for you, Malik. <laughs> what I would like to say to you is that I know the fast money and the drugs is tempting, but I want you to put down your gat. I want you to pick up a hacky sack <laughs> and I want you to meet me at the fish lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to give you a ticket. They're very expensive and you can't afford that. <laughs> You're but piss on fish money, is yeah. a place where all of us can come together and then I can go into the show and you can sell weed in the parking lot. <laughs> it's a bi- business. It's a business yeah. opportunity for you. It That's is a right. business opportunity and I'm all about lifting inner city poverty stricken people out of that situation. So I just, I want them to resist the gangs. I want them to resist the systematic poverty, the racism. And and I want them to go to a fish show where you can sit out on the lawn of a suburban amphitheater for probably no more than $300. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then drink a $22 micro brew with some like-minded people, maybe network a little bit. You know, next next thing you know, you'll probably be the CEO of a of a company. Yeah. I think the, the one flaw in the plan is there's no way they would allow drugs to be sold at these shows, right? <laughs> well, that's true. But hypothetically, if if we yeah. did exist in a world where drug use was tolerated at, at rock concerts, that might might <clears throat> present an opportunity. Now, are you are you a fish fi- uh, a fan? Because you talked a lot about the Grateful Dead in your uh, in your room there. Is there is there a separate fish room that we don't know about? No, I don't. I don't like the art associated with fish as much. Fish, I I was really really into. Like at the time when I started discovering that kind of music, you know, the Grateful Dead was already at a point in their career where they were not a very good band anymore. Mm. You know, it was mm-hmm. purely a money making enterprise and. Fish was just coming up, and they were fucking fantastic back then. So, I mean, I saw 40 fish shows by the beginning of 1995. So I was really, really into fish. And, you know, I hate everything, of course, as, mm-hmm. as I think most of our followers and your your fans know. Yeah. So by the time they started to get large enough to a point where the crowds really started to become large, I didn't enjoy going anymore, even though I still enjoyed the music. And now they don't really practice anymore. The songwriting, like the lead singer, Trey, has taken over a lot of the songwriting duties. Where, and like his stuff is like very fucking like nursery rhyme philosophy, <laughs> you know, like like yeah. like like the songs are all called like Soul Planet and My Soul. And it's like the same thing. It's like a dude who smoked like one joint when he was 17. He was like. Dude, our souls, bro. <laughs> and so, like, and then there's, like, all these fucking spun-out idiots who'd never heard fish until the late 2010s, and they're like, this is fucking incredible, man. And, like, they have, like, their own weird language where they'll, like, refer to a song and, like, the um, location that the song was played, and then they'll be like, though. So, like, if you, like, log into, like, fish Twitter, people will be like, Oh my god, bro! That Tahoe tweezer, though, and I'm like, shut uh, yeah. the fuck up, you dipshits. Yeah, but well, so like, that... fish. Some would argue that fish is still extremely good. Those people are idiots, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, fish was once a really good band, and now fish is sort of a mediocre band, kind of I think phoning it in for money. Mm. 
Phoning it in with a PH, of course. Ah, very is, well played, As sir. it is traditionally spelled. Now, I did want to put a footnote on this post that I also found on okay. uh, fish.net, a, a post titled, uh, What's Your Username on Stormfront? Um, oh, my God. <laughs> which, where people were just literally listing off their usernames on the uh, Really? Christ. Yes. Oh, but it wasn't, boy. there was no other context to it, so it wasn't a great post, but it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, we'll, I'm going to carry off what Maddie just said, uh, because I found a video for the song Tweezer. This one was recorded on December 30th, 2019 at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it's over 35 minutes long, and uh, but what stood out to me was this comment by user Richard Capato Jr. I'll remember this tweezer forever. I was there in New York while my sister was simultaneously passing away back in my hometown. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me. This song transported me on a spiritual ride, and maybe in light of what happened, there was some additional reasons my mind went there where it did that night. This is the first time I'm re-listening to it. Fish is the soundtrack of my life in many ways. Now this tweezer is just one more reason why. You know, one of the uh, the main lines to the song, Tweezer, is, won't you step into the freezer? So they were literally putting his sister in the freezer. <laughs> mm-hmm. While yeah. he was listening to Tweezer. <laughs> That's extremely fucked up. Yeah. But also, <laughs> if I do say so myself, extremely spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, it could, like, because he's Italian, it could have been like a mob mm-hmm. hit, and she was like f- mm-hmm. hung hung off a, a meat hook. In a yeah, right in the back of the truck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, just, this, this is one of those things that is, is fucked up, but also true. <laughs> And that's really the mark of a spiritual experience. It do be like that sometimes. Oh, it, it do, brother. I trust. I promise you. God. Uh, at least he'll always remember where he was at when his sister Stepped bit the big the one. <laughs> sister simultaneously passed away. <laughs> that's a, yeah. what a great way to put it. Yeah. Just say uh, I mean, the the song was so long, they actually had time to bury her sister, <laughs> his sister, and for her to lie in state before he returned home, and the song finished. 35-minute song, man. Good gravy. Mm. And you're just was, standing there. Huh? I was listening to it while taking notes, and I actually, you know what? I didn't hate it. Yeah? Okay. I guess that's my favorite tweezer so far. <laughs> out of, out out of one? Out of one? One for one on tweezers. Yeah, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I got that. Probably gonna. Why would I risk ruining that batting average? I'm just gonna I could, retire. I could probably now. spend 35 minutes with tweezers uh, pulling ingrown hairs off your large, hairy ass. That's besides the point. The next live show, folks, tune in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> User Underground Johnny went to Our Grateful Dead to ask, "Why does no one comment on my Dark Star recordings?" I have shared 20 of my personal Dark Star recordings that I handmade in my recording studio. My first Dark Star was recorded on September 18th, 2017. Four Dark Stars were recorded that September, six for 2017, all of them in different length and style. The official count for Dark Star recordings so far is up to phase 18, but there are two rehearsal Dark Stars, 23 minutes each, that were each going to be phase 17 until I decided they were not right. So I re-recorded Phase 17 three times. The last one became the official Phase 17. 
I just recorded Phase 18 and posted it to Reddit. I thought I was going to have fun here with Grateful Dead fans and learn so many things from you guys and meet new groovy people, but instead I am left out of the party and ignored. I really can't seem to understand how people think about music. Dark Star is an important composition to me, and I have fully embraced it as a musical experience, both by the Grateful Dead and by my own traveling experiences with my personal recordings. All I wanted to do was share my music and meet people through the love of music. And a now deleted user replied, I think your problem may be nobody clicks on your link in the first place because most amateur covers aren't good. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, yes, he, I, I was listening to it and uh, maybe I have to know what the hell Dark Star <laughs> is, but it didn't sound very good. And uh, based on his posting history, uh, a year ago he posted uh, f- Dark Star Sweet Phase 24 and 25. Yeah. Um, and then he commented a couple days later, I hope that someone enjoys this recording. <laughs> and then two months later, did anyone listen to my Dark Star suite? And no one commented on any of it. And that was the last thing he ever said on Reddit. He, so, oh, that was it? Brought, I wow. believe Underground Johnny died. Yeah, we lost Underground Johnny. <laughs> I miss Underground Johnny so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't he simultaneously Dark passed Star away. suite 24A B 12 Quadrant. <laughs> In fall of 2017, like I should have. But now that Underground Johnny is gone, oh, God, I would do anything to have him uh, have him back. I mean, anything except listen to his Dark Stars. But of course. I would do anything besides that to have him back. If you're out there, Underground Johnny, if you're listening to this podcast, I hear you, brother. You're not alone. So, so Matt, what is Dark, dark Stars? Just kind of a, it's yeah, dark a stars just jam a, it thing? A, it was a song... Yeah, it was a, it's a like a song that is mostly instrumental and jam, and it was considered in the early days of the Grateful Dead, like sort of the number one vehicle for them doing like weird exploratory jams. So like, okay. like people would be like Dark Star, bro, and like, but it was like a a quintessentially kind of Grateful Dead thing. It was emblematic of their love for, I guess, improvisation. But sure, okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sure Underground Johnnies were really good too. <laughs> <laughs> and now he is six feet underground, sadly. I miss uh, you, Johnny. Good luck, Johnny. Going into the great uh, beyond with uh, with Jerry, you guys can noodle around together. Yeah, do a little heroin. <laughs> uh, found out that you can get detailed descriptions of every single fish show ever from fish.net. Oh, yeah. You can even sort by the top-ranked shows ever as voted by the fans. And the top-ranked show ever was performed on New Year's Eve 1999 at the Big Cypress Seminole Indian Reservation here in Florida. Here's the description of what went down at that show. Fish was introduced as soda jerk during I Didn't Know. Split open and melt and disease were unfinished. Melt contained a Love Supreme teases. After the ensuing catapult, Trey remarked, Only at the largest concert in the world could we get away with playing a song like that. After Midnight made its fish debut. The late set, also known as The Show, began at around 11.35. Father Time was on stage, pedaling on an exercise bike that powered a large clock. The sounds of the clock's gears could be heard through the sound system. About 10 minutes before midnight, Father Time collapsed from exhaustion and the clock stopped. Then, a large fan boat entered the concert field and approached the stage. Early in its journey, the fan boat exploded away and revealed the hot dog used in the 1994 New Year's stunt. 
While the band rode the hot dog to the stage, an instrumental version of Meat Stick began to play over the PA. This is so homoerotic. <laughs> the, the band reached the stage and fed several Meat Sticks to Father Time, reviving him so that the clock could continue moving toward midnight. The band then took the stage and played Meat Stick to begin the show. And uh, this went on another few more paragraphs. Sure. But uh, I at this point, I've, I've already run out of things that I understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to learn any, anymore. What does any of that mean? <laughs> Not I don't fucking if, know. If you know what all that means, you are absolutely a pedophile. <laughs> I, here's, here's the thing is I do kind of know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Father Time is some character that's running around on stage or something. Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Father Time is actually Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that makes perfect the, sense yeah i mean think about the sort of the drug-induced experience you would have at a jam band show you mm-hmm. ride the magic hot dog with jeffrey epstein <laughs> of course, to, of course. to this to father time and then you feed him the meat stick which is mm-hmm. you know but sort of a metaphor for pedophile sex <laughs> and then father time begins again and then fish is allowed by Jeffrey Epstein to continue mm-hmm. playing the show. And we all know what a love supreme means. Ah, uh, yes, we, we do. We all tell what that means. A love uh, supreme is, of course, a John Coltrane song that is popular for being teased by all sorts of jam bands. That's one of those songs that every jam band musician seems to love for some reason. And so, like, if you look through enough jam band tapes, it'll always be like love supreme tease during the middle of some song. Oh, so it's just like they just noodle around on it while they're yeah. They just kind of yeah. They'll like kind of like maybe like play a few of the chords or yeah. Like, That's like so just cool. enough weird for culture, people to be man. like oh, and then they'll play something else. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I'm not gonna, ah. I'm not gonna play that. That's so awesome. It's fucking killer. Very I cool. Time so much. <laughs> well, speaking of stuff that people love. Someone went to court to ask, why do some people hate Dave Matthews' band? Mm. And a guy named Jonathan Camrava answered, the answers so far have covered the basic factors behind the quote-unquote hatred. An example, the Dave heads, similarity of songs, etc. There are two things I would add. One is that the band is named after the one white guy that leads them. So there's a bit of an overseer effect. The other is the strong contrast with the grunge movement in the 90s. Mm. Those of us who are headbangers found them to be so weak sauce compared to the raw sounds of Soundgarden and the like mm-hmm. that it was just easy to dismiss them as pandering to the masses. Mm. Uh, I mean, speaking as, as a fan of both the Dave Matthews Band and Soundgarden, Dave Matthews didn't kill himself. So <laughs> I would say, that, That's I true. mean, you could make an argument that the Dave Matthews Band is quite a bit tougher than Soundgarden. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's just i know that may be controversial to some no, of the more sensitive among us but i mean if you have a band and your buddy has a band and your buddy kills himself <laughs> your band is better <laughs> you, you get to continue yeah, that's right you or, win the battle of the bands dude. or in this case almost every grunge band from the 90s has a guy that killed himself so it's not just Soundgarden; it's uh all the rest of them too i wish you were into grunge music i get uh, so Dave Matthews band <laughs> is, I never really, I didn't, I don't think I've figured it out till recently that they were considered a jam band. Cause I'll, all I know of them is, uh, just, uh, the corny radio shit I heard a lot mm-hmm. growing up. 
But apparently they like to jam out as well. They have been known to jam in the past. He's actually a very good guitar player. <sighs> Tired of hearing that about, uh, about uh, guitar players from jam bands. You know, he's actually really good. Trey Anastasio, that was a guy I always heard. Same thing, too, with that guy. You yeah. know, he's actually really good at playing guitar. He is really good. He le- he taught Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, speaking of the Dave Matthews Band, this is uh, one of the funniest stories that's ever happened from the Wikipedia article titled, Dave Matthews Band Chicago River Incident. On August 8, 2004, in Chicago, Illinois, a tour bus belonging to the Dave Matthews Band dumped an estimated 800 pounds of human waste from the bus's septic tank onto a passenger sightseeing boat on the Chicago River below. Bus driver Stefan Wohl drove over the Kinsey Street Bridge and emptied the contents of his bus's septic tank through the open metal grate intending to deposit into the Chicago River below. Earlier, passenger boat Chicago's Little Lady left Navy Pier at its 1 p.m. scheduled boat tour departure. While passing under the bridge, the boat received the full contents of the tank on the seats of its open roof terrace. Mm. Roughly two-thirds of the 120 passengers aboard the tour boat were soaked. The boat immediately returned to Navy Pier, where all passengers were issued refunds. Five passengers went to Northwestern Memorial Hospital for testing. Passengers aboard included persons with disabilities, elderly, a pregnant woman, a small child, and an infant. The following also describes the incident further. The liquid waste was brownish-yellow in color and had a foul, (laughs) offensive odor. The liquid Uh human waste went into passengers' eyes, mouths, hair, and onto clothing and personal belongings, many of which were soaked. Some of the passengers suffered nausea and vomiting as a result of exposure to the human waste. Mayor Richard M. Daly held a press conference in which he released videotape of the incident as evidence. Daly also expressed his belief that the dumping was, quote, absolutely unacceptable, but that he believed the Dave Matthews Band was, quote, a very good band. <laughs> so. this, is, this is where, as usual, I'm going to have to, as the, the talent in this particular group, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to point out the important thing that is probably going to be overlooked. If you had a fancy boat, why would you include five passengers with disabilities, <laughs> the elderly... <laughs> A pregnant woman, a small child, and an infant. Isn't the point of being rich and owning a boat so that you never have to have anything to do with people like that? Well, I don't think it's somebody. It's not a personal boat. It's one of those tour boats. I don't give a fuck. I'm not letting any elderly people or people with disabilities or pregnants on my fucking boat. Someone owns the boat. Yeah. Somebody owns it. That's right. Yeah. I know this is about jam bands, but we need to talk about the important issues, too. Which is why are we letting people with disabilities on boats? <laughs> that they don't belong there. They They'll never get their sea legs. That's your right. crippled ass off my boat, you <laughs> peg leg bitch. Sorry, I got carried away there, boy. This isn't Pirates of the Caribbean. You're right. No, I just don't you know like, what, Matty? You're just, right. I just hate disabled people so much. <laughs> <laughs> Always trying to fucking get on boats. It pisses me off. They really want to get one over on us, don't they? Maybe you should have not been disabled and got your own fucking boat. We'll we'll talk more about that probably with next week's episode, which we'll we'll talk about later in this week's episode. Yeah, we will. Does that sound right? I'd just like to reiterate that I hate the disabled. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Yes, established. All right, thank you. That includes you, Geiger. (laughs) At Maddie Talks on Twitter. 